Blog Talk Radio. This is Marcy Ann, and I've been reading a lot of the articles and posts about the mass uh, murder crisis, and one person called it a crisis in masculinity, and that struck a big bang in my heart. So I would like to expand on this idea. The person observed that it is the masculine who is doing these mass murders from Sandy Hook on down to Florida, over to El Paso, up to Denver and back over to Dayton. It's been a young male shooter, 20-something mostly. These are children who have grown up with a 24-hour media constantly pumping buzzwords like racism, white supremacist, socialism, illegal immigration, sexual harassment, plus reading the daily police report every day, every day, every day, chronicling all of the local violence, all the murders and the rapes and the sex offenders. And then add to this all the hours and hours that kids spend playing video games, which are constantly murdering people and animals and all kinds of other things. You win if you kill the most. It makes me wonder if the next shooter is aiming at beating the last shooter's record because it's already been ascertained that these shooters do plan out what they're going to do, some in great detail with a written manifesto and a hit list. So perhaps in the planning stage, they might subconsciously consider where they would go to kill the most people because winning is a masculine trait. It comes from our survival of the fittest past, and it is a primitive response. But as you know, I like to look at the big picture. So before I get to the masculine crisis, um, I I would want to. I think I should rename it the crisis of masculine in America, because I think it is in America, where this is the most serious. I mean, other countries aren't having, you know, mass shootings every weekend. So (coughs) we have to, first of all, look at our American right to bear arms under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And this amendment has always been upheld as it, you know, it kind of guarantees our culture. If things get too far afield... We can assemble to form an armed militia and take over. This right is guaranteed by the Constitution, or or perhaps I should say used to be, uh, and it used to be buried deep in the cellular structure of the American culture because it sort of guarantees the culture. The American culture. What is the American culture? Well, our culture is still very new. The American culture is an experiment in self-government that is known globally as the American dream. 
and the American dream is protected by an armed electorate. Well, the problem today is that single shooters are acting alone uh, as they express their views. Well, I was talking to a man at the pool this week who's from Hungary. He grew up under communism, and he was telling me some personal stories of how, as a little boy, he was always so hungry in Hungary (laughs) under communism. He said his family had a small farm, and they raised pigs. And when it came time to slaughter the pigs, the KGB came and took all of them, just came and took them. Because in communism, you don't really own anything because all things can be taken to be shared with all the people from each according to their ability to each according to their need. What is yours isn't really yours. It belongs to the community. So he said his dad came to America when he was in his, when uh, the, uh, he, not his dad, but he was in his teens. And I asked him why his dad wanted to come to America. And he said, the American dream. Freedom. The right to own property. The possibility of anything if you worked hard. And my dad was used to hard work. He just couldn't get used to someone just coming and taking his hard work for the good of the community. And recently, Putin was discussing the Russian culture and Russian immigration policies, and he said the biggest difference between the Russian culture and the American culture was that the Russian culture was about the community, while the American culture was about the individual. And he said that they don't have a serious immigration problem that like we have because all of the people who are migrating to Russia today are migrating back to Russia, and they already have the Russian culture. Someone in the family even still speaks Russian. And most are former citizens of Russia who had been displaced during, um, during wars and especially after World War II. Well, you know the Russian culture is over white, white, 90% white, and the required language is Russian. And Putin pointed out that the American culture is being weakened by the massive numbers of immigrants from all of the other cultures of the world coming to America, Asian, Mexican, Middle Eastern, Hispanic, African. And even though our Pledge of Allegiance says that if you live in America, you now pledge your allegiance to America, most of these immigrants bring their culture with them. They basically always have. Chinatown has been in New York City and San Francisco since the beginning. And Los Angeles has a Chinatown, a Koreatown, a, a little Tokyo, Oliveira Street, and the hood. And one of the last times I went up to L.A., you know, I was looking for this place and I couldn't find it. And I stopped and asked five different people where it was and no one spoke any English. Now, I feel that it's culture that divides us, not race. Because you know what? We're all members of the human race. There's four species in this uh, uh, human, four species of humans. 
and I talked about this on my last show. You know, there's I found out this week there's 63 species of weasels. <laughs> they all get along. We only have four species. How come we can't get along? Anyway, so anyway, um, but we're members of the human race. And different nations have formed specific cultures that have a specific language, and that is what divides us and makes us all different. I mean, I actually personally enjoy the diversity. I've been studying the Japanese culture because they've worked out the health care problem and the gun control problem, and they've learned to live together in an extremely small space in peace and harmony with very little crime or homelessness or poverty. They have rules, and the majority follow the rules because it's in their highest and best good to do so. And I listened to a black person tell about living in Japan. He said he felt safe there as everybody follows the rules. And he said everybody accepts everybody if you follow the rules. But he said if you don't follow the rules, there's a hard price to pay. And for him, it would be deportation, so he follows the rules. And he's adopted, adapted to the Japanese culture. He said he came from Atlanta, and he feared for his life every day on the streets of Atlanta in the hood. Well, black isn't a race. It's a culture. And there seems to me to be a certain lack of love in the American black culture. Um, The culture seems to be rooted in oppression and fighting for survival, even among their own. Well, Japan makes it really tough on someone who doesn't follow the rules. Perhaps it's a policy we should look at here in America so we could keep the American dream alive. You know, each person has their own personal dream. And so far, America's culture has provided the most freedom to pursue a person's dream. The truth is that each person is a divine, unique expression who comes to earth to express. And up until now, we that have lived in America have had that freedom to express. We taught our children they could do anything they desired to do. We taught them that they would need to get trained or certified or educated in order to participate in the community And that other people also had a dream like theirs, perhaps. There would be others who would be pursuing it, so they would have to excel in some way, so they had a chance. And we taught them basic economics. You work and you get paid. And from your paycheck, you pay for a place to live, a car, car insurance, food, clothing, today a telephone, And we taught them that no one starts at the top. Everybody starts on a level playing field. And the one who does their best gets ahead. All three of my children are now at the top of their chosen fields of expression because this is America, and in America it was possible. And that no matter what color you are or what culture you come from, it is still possible now 
And as far as white supremacy is concerned, the true fact is that white men established this country. (laughs) They were Protestant Christians. So here in America, we have also been taught a lot of stuff that isn't true. The Christian message that has existed from 320 A.D. until now is a premeditative, convoluted rendition of what the Pope and King James wanted to teach the people in order to maintain their power over them. For instance, Jesus taught reincarnation, but the Pope and King James decided that they couldn't let the people know that, that, they, that they'd have more than one chance to get it right. So they took Dante's Inferno and they created hell and they gave everybody one chance to get saved or go to hell and burn forever. And they knew that if people really understood what Jesus taught, that they would realize that they were indeed a divinely created individual expression of God, just like Jesus was, and they would be able to do everything that Jesus did, which of course is what Jesus said that nobody talks about. But if they did... They wouldn't need the church anymore. So they made Jesus the only begotten son of God, born of a virgin, something so completely different from us. And then they invented heaven and told us to sit on the pew and wait to die. And then we could have everything we ever have it. When all along it has been possible in America to have the possibility of having everything you've ever wanted. That is what the American dream is, heaven on earth. And it is that unique, divine expression of God that we are who knows it. Why do you think everybody in the world wants to come here? Well, today we're being taught more horrible lies by the news media We're being taught a false racism, and I say false because we are all the human race. There's just one race. We have different cultures. The news media says that white supremacy is one of the causes of these mass shootings. Hey, guys, yes, white guys started America, and yes, white guys are still 72.2% here in America. That makes The United States, a white supremacy country. Russia also is an 80% white supremacy country. Denmark is a white supremacy country. Sweden is a 77% white supremacy country. England is an 82% white supremacy country. Africa is an 80% black country, nation. So if I was black, I would go to a country where I'm in the majority, where being black is not considered being less than. I believe our young men who are doing these shootings know that they are a divine, unique expression of God, and they are angry. They're acting out against the environment that the news media creates every day. The American dream is being steadfastly assaulted and will ultimately be killed in the news media. And perhaps the ultimate revenge is to kill someone back. 
even our justice system supports this. That's what the death penalty is for. And that's why hell was created for us as well, because we want revenge. We want restitution. We want someone to pay. It is the divine, unique part of us that demands justice. This is part of what is at the root of the anger. And I think that the shooters are masculine, are revealing that man wants clarification about his role for the future. How will I be able to help keep the American dream alive? While I was growing up, the oldest of four children, we had guns in our house. We knew where they were and we knew what they were for. Our dad also took us out in the backyard and taught us how to shoot them. I learned to shoot a rifle and a handgun, and I felt safe. Now, I will never forget the night that a big rat got into our house and was hiding behind the refrigerator. And my stepdad moved out the refrigerator and shot that rat on the spot while we all watched. And while my husband and I were raising our children, we had guns in the house. The kids were taught where they were and that they were there for our right to form a militia in order to guarantee our freedom and justice for all. The children had great respect for this, and they were happy that we had the guns, and they felt safe. So I have to reflect here that both my childhood home and my own home as a married woman with three children were homes that had a mother and a father, and in both instances, the mother stayed at home and ran the household, and the father worked and brought home the money for all of the supply of the family, and we had guns. The men ran things outside the home, and the woman ran the home and prepared the children to then take their place, either running the world or running the home, depending on whether the child was masculine or feminine. (laughs) This was part of the original, basic American culture, and it was what it empowered the American dream. The roles of masculine and feminine were well-defined within the culture. The women, women raised the children, and the men ran the affairs of the civilization. You know, we can't judge this as right or wrong, or good or bad, or liberal or conservative. It's just how it was. We learn about life on earth from the moment we open our eyes after we come out of the womb. Up until then, we only know a biological life dependent upon another being. But when we breathe that first breath of life outside of the womb, from then on, we are learning. And what we learn shapes what we think about things. And if we're taught hate, then we hate. And if we taught rules, we obey the rules. And if we're taught responsibility, we are responsible. If we are loved, we can live in love. My life has been a study in abandonment, and I'm now an absolute expert about it. And when I pass on over to take back up my cosmic duties, I'll be able to offer a more enlightened solutions to the abandonment issue. My mother thought about having an abortion because my father left us while I was still in the womb. And when I got married, I w- and then I grew up and got married, and I worked to put my husband through law school, And because of our political involvements, the governor 
appointed my husband the judge of a small county, and so my husband left to go be judge in the small county while I was having the children finish that semester of school and preparing us to move to the small county. And during that time, a little sweetie baby in a small town set her eyes on the new judge and convinced him that she loved him and would love him more than we did. So I never moved to the small town, and I began my life as a single mother who actually could type 102 words per minute, so I got a secretary job at a whopping $5 per hour, and the kids and I muddled through while the judge was living the high life with an assortment of sweetie babies over the years. Later on, after my children were raised and I moved to California, I met a man that I thought was going to be the love of my life from then on, and we enjoyed nine wonderful months until I saw his tax return on his desk one morning, and it said, filing status, married. I held the report up to his face, and I said, Is this true? Are you married? And he said, Yes. And this time, I was the abandonee, not the abandoned. Heartbroken, I tried to disappear. I moved to another city where I didn't know anyone, where I eventually started my wedding business. And now, 25 years later, I'm retired but still doing my radio show. So in my life story, you can see a progression of evolution of my experiences with the masculine. Uh, Way back when I was conceived, people still had unprotected sex during a one-night stand that could produce a baby. (laughs) I tell people I was the result of one glorious night of unbridled passion. (laughs) And my mother's father was a policeman, and when my mother talked about getting the abortion, her dad knew a doctor who would do it, safely in his office after hours, so she wouldn't have to have some risky back alley procedure. This was before Roe versus Wade. And men aren't trained to be able to handle the power of governing, and my husband became the head honcho of a small county government overnight. Everybody bowed and scraped to the judge. He was the undisputed head over the local political party, the mayor and city council, and all the attorneys in town, not to mention all the attorneys in the city where I lived who would constantly venue their cases out to these small counties to get a more conservative jury. And when my husband filed for divorce, I couldn't find an attorney who would take my case because they all had cases coming up before the judge. If you look at the men in our current Congress, they demonstrated that we still haven't evolved very far, that they haven't been trained to handle the responsibility of government either. The responsibility of government is to enable the consensus of opinion of the governed, but most just answer to their contributors and the lobbyists, the unions, the corporations. I asked God about this one time. God, why was so-and-so elected? And God said he was willing to be elected. So those who are the most competent to rule aren't willing to do it. So we get the ones who are willing. Many, and I would say most times, these ones who are willing do have good intentions. They really believe what they say while they're running for office. They have big dreams about seeing changes that will make life better for all of us. 
And then they get into the system and get swept away by the throes of various idealisms. And, of course, the rest is history. And there still are men to, who, for whatever reason, still cheat on their wives and have affairs. The married man I was involved with <coughs> didn't want to give half of his money to his wife and the other half of the half to his attorney <laughs> to get the divorce. And his wife was Catholic, and the priest had told her that her husband's infidelity was her cross to bear, and she couldn't get a divorce. So they lived in separate houses in separate states. Two of his kids lived with him, and the younger one was still with the mother. Well, so much for my dream of living happily ever after with him, but thank God I could still realize the American dream. I moved to Orange County and started my wedding business and the rest of my story is of being successful as a senior woman in a male-dominated profession because of the possibility of the American dream. You know, voices are heard today who want to change the fundamentals of the American dream, but these fundamentals began to be altered way before these latest voices crying for change. Two world wars found the women abandoned as their men went off to fight the war. The Second World War lasted four years. That's a long time for a woman to have to be on her own and take care of everything. So she went to work in the weapons of war factories, began to handle money, and the masculine side of her began to express. As she now not only had the responsibility for the children, she had to help run the world too. Her masculine side, you say? (laughs) Well, you know, the early fetus develops a clitoral penile tubercle first. And along about the second month, if there are enough androgens to offset the maternal estrogens, maleness develops and the clitoral penile tubercle grows a penis. Otherwise, it stays female because every soul starts out female. Whether the androgens develop will be determined by whether there is an XX sex chromosome or an XY sex chromosome. Because we have 24 sets of chromosomes, 23 of them are the same in a man and a woman. But that 24th set is the sex chromosome. So if you have XX, you will be male. If you have XY, you will be female. So the XX will have largely testosterone. And if you're XY, you will largely have estrogen. But men still continue to create estrogen, and women still produce testosterone. So each of us still has a masculine and a feminine aspect to ourselves. Now, to run my business, I used my masculine side. I felt like I was like 51% estrogen and 49% testosterone. (laughs) And I have a gentleman friend right now who must be (laughs) 51% testosterone and 49% estrogen because his main conversations revolve around cooking and cleaning his apartment. I mean, maybe it's because he's talking to a female, but he also mostly sounds like a woman in premenstrual tension, you know, bitch, bitch, bitch. (laughs) 
He has a new girlfriend, and I asked him the other day, have you told her yet that you are really an androgynous creature? (laughs) So women found their masculine side during World War II, and it's been in a stage of development ever since. I mean, in the 60s, they flung off their bras, and with the discovery of the pill, they also began having social sex because they didn't have any fear of getting pregnant anymore. And in the 70s, on the 50th anniversary of women's right to vote, there was a woman's strike for equality, and the Supreme Court declared sex discrimination a violation of the 14th Amendment. In the 80s, the women's movement was pretty hampered under the leadership of President Ronald Reagan, who was a staunch foe of abortion, and mostly white male supremacy ruled and reigned. However, the late 80s brought forth quantum physics, which proved that we are the creator of everything that happens to us. In 1992, women scored a victory with a Supreme Court decision regarding regarding abortion in Roe v. Wade. And since then, women have become more and more vocal, pressing to take their divine, unique expression of God into every field of endeavor in America. I had a TV program in San Diego years ago, and I had the first woman fireman on my show before she went viral. And at that time, the fire stations had to be revamped so that she could have her own bathroom. And also since then, many men have been able to become a fireman who earlier could not have qualified. Personally, I don't want a woman to try and get come and get me uh, out of my building if it's on fire and I'm trapped. I'm the size of the average American male, and I would need at least two average American males to come up that ladder to get me out. <laughs> Women today want equal pay for equal work to correct the supposition that a man would be paid more for the same job than a woman. And while today we're not at war and our men are off on different continents, the women today are mostly all working. And people say women have to work today because the price of everything is so expensive. But also, women are working today because they want to express to the culture that they are just as smart and just as qualified and just as important as men. This is the cry of the equal pay for equal work scenario. You know, and looking back, I don't remember when our culture didn't think the woman was smart and qualified and just as important as a man. After all, we were entrusted with the children. The men trusted the woman to raise his children. A man wouldn't trust a woman with his children if he didn't think she was just as smart as he was and that she was qualified to do the job. Perhaps when the women started working and were paying less than a man, that's when the idea of the inequality all started. But in their quest for equality outside of the home, we have lost the wives and the mothers. And guess what? We now have an entire generation that is being raised by the media, and we have an enormous opiate problem. And now the boys are shooting people. Boys who are just entering manhood, 19, 20, 21 years old, wondering where the lady who is supposed to be by their side, loving them, rooting for them, providing them care and comfort, 
that they didn't get from a mother who was out running the world. A crisis in masculinity? Perhaps. The man is confused, and I think he's scared. He's supposed to go out and create the future. But God never intended for him to be alone. God intended that the masculine and the feminine were together to create a divine union of all there is. And together they create their kingdom and their uh, participation in the community. That's how God did it. And man is made in the image of God. And America is still the best place on earth for this to be possible, even though we're still in those primitive stages of the American dream. It's not the time to go back to the past and try idealisms that haven't honored the divine sacred part of the expression of a man and a woman. Let's not give up yet on the American dream. Let's turn to our divine sacred heart and tune in to its messages. And let's go on into the future and create an even more perfect environment for the expression of each and every unique soul.